welcome inside the world of Duotone, everybody. I'm Josie Ashton, and joining me in the studio today, we catch up with Richard Scott, the captain from the latest Duotone episode, In Pursuit of Freedom. Richard has many stories to tell, and today we'll find out a little bit more about how he got started, how these kite cruises are going, and how he's noticed environmental changes during his time sailing. Hi there, Richard. How's it going? Can you give us a little bit more info into your background and how you got into chartering and sailing? Yeah, I wasn't a sailor. Um, I didn't grow up sailing. I learned windsurfing with my dad when I was about 10 years old. So that introduced me to water sports, um, and my passion for the sea and, and for the ocean. Um, didn't see sailing until I was about 18 years old. Um, I just left school and went to work in a restaurant in Cape Town and the around the world yacht race was on and they stopped for a, for, um, for a break in, uh, in, in Cape Town. Um, I saw that people could travel oceans, living on boats, cooking for themselves, fishing, and I thought that was an amazing adventure and a way to, to live. I'd like to try it one day. And that was, that was it, I forgot about it until the year 2000, when I was about 20, 28, I think. Had a big motorbike crash, um, got a few scars, stayed in hospital for a month, and just had a lot of time to think um, about what did you, you know, what, what's next, what do you want to do? Realized that one day to the next, everything could be over, so might as well live today as if it was the last day and do everything you wanted to do now before it was too late. Don't say, wait for your retirement or, or anything like that. So um, realized that actually I wanted to sail on a boat, that would be an amazing adventure, and that's what got me into sailing. But it didn't happen straight away either. It took about five years to, to save up, um, put things into plan, get experience, learn how to sail. Um, and in 2005, bought my first boat in the Caribbean, planning to sail the world and actually got stuck in the Caribbean. You know, there's, there's so many things to see and you get into so many different adventures, meet so many different people. Um, started doing kiteboarding cruises in Venezuela um, about 2006, 2007. And Venezuela was going off. I mean, I uh, discovered a place called El Yaque in Margarita, um, where all the windsurfing pros were training every day. It was super motivating to see uh, the level of riders there. Um, and kiteboarders as well wanted to go further afield. They wanted to explore different islands that were nearby, Los Roques, Tortuga, Coche, and uh, so started doing sailing trips. And just things just rolled on from there, you know, getting caught up with kiteboarding, windsurfing, sailing, and, and, and just following, following your passion, you know? Um, not worrying too much about a future, just living each day, just saying, I like kiteboarding, I like windsurfing, you know, I like sailing, and all things, it's a, it's, it's a great mix. Um, uh, things that go together really, really well, I think. Many might not know it was you, but you went viral a few years ago on the internet when you had quite a serious crash flying your kite while tied to the mast of your boat. Can you tell us a little bit about that story? Yeah, well, the cat came out of the bag about that one. I tried to keep it a secret for a while, but uh, the the crash, um, the, it, was, it was on a trip with clients um, in the Grenadines, and it was a pretty light wind day. There wasn't much going on long enough to kite and we'd seen a guy practicing static line flying in Union Island he'd basically tied a long rope to a rock or something I don't know what it was in the in the in the, in the lagoon bed to his harness and he was flying a, a kite above his head and he was getting no he was getting a good 10 meters off the no uh, off the um, off the off the ground off the water I suppose um, and so when we arrived in Frigate, which is a, uh, another spot in Union Island with a bit deeper water, we thought we'd give it a shot. But instead of using the line tied to the, the a rock, we put it to the top of the mast, thinking it would obviously pull us up a little bit more. Um, and it did. It worked quite well. You know? With a, I don't know, a, a, I think it was a, a, a nine-meter kite 
um, maybe 10 knots of wind, you know, started moving it around a little bit, got a couple of meters off the ground, but it wasn't really what we were looking for. Someone on the boat yelled, loop it. So I thought, that's a good idea. Maybe that'll get me a bit more height. So put in a, put in a loop, um, felt a bit of lift. Um, and obviously I'm looking at the kite the whole time because I'm not knowing what's going to happen. I'm all new to this and didn't realize how high I'd got. I thought I was only maybe five, 10 meters off the ground and actually it was already 20 meters high. So um, that's when I put in a second kite loop trying to get a little bit higher, not realizing that I was already at the top of the mast. And what actually happened is that when the second kite loop um, was initiated, that put too much strain on the line tying me to the mast and there was a knot that, that broke. And so all of a sudden, no tension in the lines. The kite was probably below me or at the same height, and there was no way of steering it back up to 12, and landed flat on my side, and that was the last thing I remember. You know, I woke up in the dinghy about five minutes later, being rushed to the shore, not being able to breathe. But wow. uh, yeah, everything ended okay, just a bit of internal bleeding. Um, stayed in hospital for a few days in Martinique, you know, and uh, out of action for about a month, but uh, no, no permanent damage, I don't think. Won't be doing it again in a hurry. So Richard, how has your Kite Cruise company expanded and grown over the years? So um, I think initially when I was starting out, it was just a bit of fun doing the odd kite trip, working as a windsurfing instructor in, in, in Venezuela. And then when I moved to the Grenadines, got a catamaran, um, I teamed up with Duroturn and, um, and uh, we had a little contract where they would come and, and film uh, product clips and episodes once a year on the boat um, and I would uh, obviously um, get to use the, the, the gear and benefit from all the, the promotions that went around that and the, and, and the business developed, it took off, we did really well. The Grenadines became a really popular um, destination. You had Jeremy Trone there um, who was also doing some amazing uh, social media and a lot of promotion for the, for the, um, the area. So it went from a spot where we would be the only kite boat there um, and a handful of kiters to actually it becoming a, uh, you know, a popular, even crowded destination at certain times of year with, with, I don't know, five or six or seven kite boats turning up at one spot at one time. So that was like where it peaked, you know, just before Corona. It was getting super, super busy, super popular. And all of a sudden, you know, tourism came to an end. Um, actually stopped doing the kite trips. It's been a couple of years almost. Um, we're not sure if it's going to open up again there this season, but it's actually, you know, um, it's great to close, close one door because you can open another. So as a result of not being in the Grenadines, we're actually now discovering new kite spots in the Dominican Republic that um, I didn't know existed, you know. I mean, during this, this shooting here, we've come, to, we've come to the Siete Hermanos Islands, which I'd heard about. Not many people have been here. Um, even though Cabarete is only a few hours up the coast and, it, coast and it's a really busy, busy spot, um, the Siete Hermanos is, is probably one of the best freestyle spots I've seen since leaving Coche in Venezuela, like, you know, 15 years ago. Um, so, yeah, you close one door and you open another and there's more adventures to come, I think. The original idea was to sail around the world, you know, as I said earlier, and we got stuck in the Caribbean, which is not a bad thing, but a lot of, you know, it's amazing to see how, how you can get caught up in something like running a business. Um, and it ends up taking a packet of years um, and you forget your original dreams, you know, and the original dreams was to sail around the world. So I think now that the coronavirus maybe was a good thing in the sense that it sort of closed the business down and has opened up the door to new adventures, which could be 
discovering more places, moving on from here. Um, the way to go is the way the winds blow. And if you follow the winds, they are taking us west. Um, so that's towards Cuba, Jamaica, Belize, Panama. And then you've got the Pacific. So I think the next chapter is the Pacific. I think when you get stuck in the Pacific, I mean, if you get stuck in the Caribbean for 10 years, how long can you get stuck in the, in the Pacific? You know, you go on for until retirement, I think, until I can't hold a rope anymore and I can't pick up an anchor anymore. We've seen you doing pretty advanced freestyle tricks, landing free one threes, other handle passes. Would you say it's still your preferred discipline? I'm uh, a jack of all trades and master of none, you know. Um, I can do a bit of uh, windsurfing, a bit of kiting, a bit of surfing. But um, what, I, what I enjoy, I was thinking about this earlier, what I enjoy about kiting is um, I'm not a very good surfer, but with a kite, I can ride waves that I'd never dream of being able to surf and, 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 and get an amazing feeling from it. You know? um, I can hardly touch my toes, you know? um, let alone I can do backflips and frontflips on a kite surfing. You know? So it opens up um, to people that aren't desperately talented um, you can still get amazing sensations, um, and uh, that's what I really love about about the sport. Um, the freestyle. I had a guest on a boat on a boat trip once. He was 50 years old. He was, uh, and he learned the 313 at the age of 50 on the boat. And I thought, and I saw that guy, and I thought, wow. I mean, when I'm 50, I want to be doing the same. So, you know, I'd like to still. I don't think age is the limit. It's only you only get old when you stop trying. So I can still you know, get a few crashes in me left. Wing foiling has been taking up some of your time. How have you been enjoying that one? Yeah, actually it was just a, an experimental um, thing about a year and a half ago. And actually the home spot where I live in Cabarete is quite choppy, so I don't kite so much there. Um, I've been spoiled with flat water spots. But wing foiling is the perfect sport for, for Kite Beach Cabarete. You have a lagoon with choppy water that you can just cruise over. Um, and on the reef, there's a wave with enough depth to, to surf the waves. Um, so it mixes everything, really. It's um, a mix between the windsurfing, the foiling, kiting. Um, I, I really enjoy it. It's a great sport. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about how the environmental surroundings have changed over your time on the boats? Yeah, I mean, the, the, what I was saying yesterday is that, you know, in my lifetime, the world population has doubled. There's twice as many people on the planet in, I'm 47 now, in 50 years, yeah, the, the world population has doubled. Um, we're living longer, we're consuming more, um, and in this, even in this short space I've been sailing, which is the last 15 years, um, we're catching hardly any fish, you know? We used to catch fish every, every trip, every day. We would be able to put a line out and catch a fish. Um, you'd be able to dive in places and see live coral, um, snorkeling, you'd see fish as soon as you put your head under the water, you'd see fish everywhere. Um, and now, just in the last five years, we're getting strange currents coming in, bringing in um, sargasm, uh, seaweed, which, which never was a problem before. I'm not sure what the reason is. Um, some people say it's climate change. Maybe it's just, you know, the currents have changed, um, bringing it along. But we're definitely getting less, less, less fish in the sea um, and more garbage. You know, there's a kite spot I went to. Well, it's not a kite spot. I went to visit this place in the south of the Dominican Republic. And we could see this stunning turquoise lagoon, like Tobago Keys, you know. There were pelicans, there were flamingos. It was like spectacular. Um, and it was blowing 20 knots. So we thought, great, we've got a kite, let's just pump up and go. And so we, we tried to find a beach. And everywhere we tried to find a beach, there was just knee-high garbage. You couldn't see the sand. And so we ended up trying to make a little space in the garbage to be able to pump a kite up 
and trying to do the lines uh, on this on the on this beach. You know, uh, it, it it took us about half an hour to set the kite up. The kiting was amazing, but it was just really sad to see how nature can be spoilt by human pollution. So um, the kite spot we went yesterday, you know, a little deserted island um, on the North Shore, and, and even there there were batteries that had been dumped on the on the island, you know, um, and there was garbage and water, you know plastic bottles washed up. So yeah, um, for sure that the, the, there is a change happening. Um, hopefully we can bring enough um, awareness to people to be able to to, to change. Um, in countries like this, the Dominican Republic or Venezuela, the, the, there isn't much communication on environmental, you know, uh, issues, and 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 people aren't looking after the place they live, you know. So hopefully, awareness will be built up, and and people will start, you know, in in this in these regions, get, get a little bit more conscientious. Um, yeah. Well, there we have it. It was great to catch up with you and be sure to check out an incredible episode from the trip in Dominican Republic now live on the Duotone channels. I'm Josie Ashler and this is Inside the World of Duotone with Richard Scott. (laughs) 